Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Marie Bolaños in San Francisco. More than 2,000 Kaiser Permanente mental health workers in Northern and Central California have walked off the job this morning. This comes as negotiations over staffing levels and appointment wait times reached a standstill over the weekend. A new state law requires providers like Kaiser to give mental health patients follow-up appointments in 10 days. But right now, the union says there aren't enough clinicians to make that happen. Kaiser says because of the strike, it may need to reschedule some non-urgent appointments this week. Governor Gavin Newsom has a plan to extend the operation of California's last nuclear power plant. Diablo Canyon on the Central Coast is scheduled for closure by 2025. From KCBX, Benjamin Perper reports. Diablo Canyon produces about 9% of California's energy portfolio. The governor and nuclear advocates say energy shortages and the state's carbon neutrality goals mean it's too soon to take that much carbon-free energy off the grid. On Friday, Newsom revealed a draft proposal for a loan of up to $1.4 billion to the plant's operator, utility PG&E, to keep it running for 5 to 10 more years. That loan could be paid back if federal funds come through. Central Coast Assemblyman Jordan Cunningham agrees that Diablo Canyon should remain open. We simply are not where we thought we'd be with renewable energy production and coupling that with storage. And so it's put the state's grid in a rather precarious position. Carol Hisaswe is with Mothers for Peace, a San Luis Obispo County-based group pushing for the plant's decommissioning. The longer a nuclear power plant stays in operation, the greater the risk of an accident equipment failure, or terrorist attack causing a release of radiation. PG&E maintains that the plant has a long record of safe operation going back to its first years of operation in the 1980s, and that it's built to withstand natural disasters like earthquakes or tsunamis. The state legislature has until the end of this month to approve or reject a loan. And for the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo. For several years now, undocumented immigrants in California have been able to get a driver's license, which doubles as a critical piece of ID. But what about immigrants who don't drive? KPCC's Josie Hong says there's a push to get them an ID as well. A bill in Sacramento would make state-issued ID cards available to any Californian regardless of their legal status. Backers say it's needed because the driver's license bill left out many people who don't drive, including some elderly people and people with disabilities, and a lot of women who are less likely to have access to a car, like Janet Martinez. Originally from El Salvador, she works as a pupusa vendor in L.A. She says she never tried to get a driver's license because she can't afford a car. Martinez says with a state ID, she could open a bank account, apply for health care services. I believe that we deserve to be able to be part of our communities, to contribute our whole hearts to our communities and be seen here. 
Immigrant advocates estimate more than a million people could benefit from the ID bill. It's passed out of the state assembly and is moving through the Senate. For the California Report, I'm Josie Huang. And in other news, a year ago today, the Taliban entered Kabul and the U.S. military began a frenzied airlift to evacuate tens of thousands of people out of Afghanistan. Now, many of those Afghans are trying to build new lives in California. But as KQED's immigration editor Taiki Hendricks reports, for those who arrived here with only a temporary immigration status, the future still feels very uncertain. Lotfullah Niaze is a civil engineer who worked for the U.S. military in Afghanistan. I reached him by phone as he was getting ready to cook dinner at his new apartment in Oakland. He tells me that last August, as his family tried to escape, in the crush at the Kabul airport, he got separated from his wife and five of his six children. In that time, I lost my wife, my kids. When I go inside the airport, my wife is not there. He was evacuated with just one son and a young cousin and ended up in the Bay Area, where a refugee agency helped him find the apartment and a job as a security guard. But Niaze only works part-time because he needs to get the boys off to school and pick them up. Rent is expensive, so sometimes he borrows money from a cousin who settled here 30 years ago. As he navigates life in America, he talks to his wife every day. She and the kids are in hiding from the Taliban. Sometimes I became under pressure because my family is not here, but just one of my son is with me. Sometimes my son became sad because his mother is not here. If Niaze had refugee status, his wife and kids could join him. But he's one of nearly 77,000 Afghans who came on something called humanitarian parole. That's just temporary, good for two years. And it leaves him feeling stuck in limbo. It's very important for me because now uh, we don't know how can we live here. The refugee agency, Jewish Family and Community Services, has helped him apply for asylum so he can bring his family and get on a path to citizenship. He says he's ready to make his life in the United States because there's no way they can live under the Taliban. Uh, I want to make my career here and we should be live here and we die should be here because we don't want to go back to the Afghanistan. Fauzia Azizi, the Refugee Services Director at Jewish Family and Community Services, says her organization has hired legal staff to help nearly 500 parolees apply for some kind of permanent status. But it's a lot of extra work for overstretched refugee agencies. We created a strong group of pro bono, low bono lawyers and attorneys. However, Uh, That's not the case for other programs and other organizations. She's hoping a bipartisan bill introduced in Congress last week could ease that burden. The Afghan Adjustment Act would grant permanent residence to Afghans like Niaze, who came on humanitarian parole. I'm so glad that at least it's moving and at least it's in front of Senate. I think that will bring a relief if that act will be passed. But Lotful Niaze may not have to wait for Congress to act. He's going to his asylum interview in San Francisco on Wednesday. For The California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. And in other news, California is one of 10 states that doesn't screen all students for the most common learning disability. Advocates have pushed for mandatory dyslexia assessments for years. KPCC reporter Mariana Dale found that identifying struggling readers is only part of the solution. When Liliana Parra was in seventh grade, she remembers homework that teachers said should have taken her an hour took two or three. It was putting stress on me where like to the point like I probably would cry almost every day. The San Bernardino teenager had a hard time spelling, writing and comprehending words on the page. A lot of the time I don't understand like it doesn't process in my head what that word is unless I hear it. The public district she attended didn't have the tools to recognize Liliana's dyslexia. So her mom, Lori, requested an evaluation from an outside psychologist. With a dyslexia diagnosis, she says her daughter got more support. I felt like the ball was rolling. Liliana graduated high school a year early in May. But she and her mom still wonder what could have been different if the district intervened sooner. She probably would have loved probably reading right now. To this day, she hates it, you know, because she knew she struggled. The right tools can identify students at risk of developing dyslexia before they even fully learn to read. Harvard education professor Nadine Gobb says kids pick up measurable skills before they ever step into the classroom. It starts with, you know, learning the sounds of your language, understanding that if you add sounds or take sounds away, that new words form. Research shows intensive lessons focused on the basics like letters and the sounds they make can help dyslexic learners become strong readers. But not all California school districts are taking that first step of screening all students for the learning disability. What we employ in California is a wait-to-fail approach. Lori DePole co-directs the parent advocacy group Decoding Dyslexia California. We wait until the kids are so far behind in reading and, and or spelling before we then, you know, jump in to, quote, help. DePaul's group wants the state to mandate universal screening. The most recent proposal to do so is stalled in the Assembly Education Committee. One opponent is the state teachers union. Ishmael Armendariz leads the California Teachers Association Special Education Committee. He says the districts already have the necessary tools, but teachers need more support. People are leaving. We have a hell of vacancies in Oakland. Um, it's hard to retain teachers. Armendariz says mandatory screening puts more on teachers' crowded plates. We want time to plan. We want time to look at student data and actually drive instruction based off of that. 
Educators may need additional training for screening mandates to help students. Timothy Odegaard is a psychology professor at Middle Tennessee State University. He's found that even in states with universal screening, students of color and those at schools with high numbers of poor readers were less likely to be identified as dyslexic. Odegaard says one hypothesis is that it's related to how teachers interpret the screening results. I call it the the sea of struggling readers. When everybody is going down with the ship, how do I find the ones with dyslexia? In some parts of the state, it's still an unanswered question. Just over half of third graders fail to meet California's benchmarks for reading and writing. Without a state policy mandating dyslexia screening, parents are pushing districts to change. Hoana Lundy is the director of special education at the San Bernardino City Unified School District and says Liliana's experience kickstarted changes there. This needs to not be something that parents have to advocate for. How do we create a system where we identify the students? The district convened a dyslexia task force that included families and educators in 2020. Lundy says the change won't be instant. But if we have a plan, then over time, um, we will get very good at making sure that our students with dyslexia and their needs are being met. The district is rolling out initiatives this year based on the task force's work, including a universal screener, teacher training, and outreach to parents. For the California Report, I'm Mariana Dale. And finally, Mexican cities just across the border from California were rocked by a wave of violent incidents over the weekend. This string of attacks appears to be in response to Mexican officials' attempt to capture gang members. Mexican officials have confirmed much of the violence was started by the Jalisco Nueva Generación cartel. With more, here's the California Report's Saul Gonzalez. In a wave of arson attacks, more than two dozen vehicles were set on fire to block roads and highways in such Baja California cities as Tijuana, Mexicali, Ensenada, and Rosarito. On social media, video clips of burning cars and trucks and people fleeing violent scenes were widely shared. In response to the attacks, the U.S. consulate in Tijuana urged Americans in Mexican border cities to shelter in place. On Saturday, few Tijuana residents were on the streets, and many stores and public transportation lines remained closed. In a video, Baja's governor, Marina del Pilar Avila Olmeda, told residents of her state that officials were taking measures to restore order. Entiendo perfectamente la incertidumbre que generaron los hechos violentos de anoche. In response to the violence, Mexico's central government sent 350 soldiers to Tijuana to assist local and federal law enforcement. 17 people were reportedly arrested, with some sent to Mexico City for questioning. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez. And that's the California Report for Monday, August 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Mari Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health equity. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry, no sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration 
on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.